This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the Gable Tosti case? So as far as this case, I'll look at the timeline of the crime, then the mental health and personality factors, and then I'll move to an analysis of the trial. Starting with the timeline of the crime, this case starts on July 29, 2014. A 26-year-old resident of New Zealand named Warina Wright gets on Tinder looking for a date when she is in Australia for a friend's wedding. She connects with a 28-year-old man who works as a carpet installer. They would meet at a surf shop on the evening of August 7, 2014, at 8.45 p.m. This was in Surfer's Paradise, Gold Coast, Australia. After buying a six-pack of beer, the couple make their way to Avalon Apartments. This is where Tosti lives. They enter the elevator at 8.58 p.m. and go to Tosti's apartment, which is on the 14th floor. This takes us to August 8, because we go past midnight here. At 12.55 a.m., a recording device starts capturing audio in the apartment. The device is allegedly owned by Tosti. The police did not know what recording device was actually used, but the file was found on a phone that was later seized. This audio contains a male voice and a female voice and helps to establish the timeline. It is, of course, assumed that the male voice is Gable Tosti and the female voice is from Warina Wright. There was a lot recorded. I'm only covering key moments, and I will replace the expletives with the word blank. At 1.02 a.m., Tosti asks Wright to chill and have a drink. She says that she is psycho-drunk and not to test her. This might have been the first clue that it was time to end the date. We find out later that in addition to the beer that they purchased, in his apartment, Tosti had what he referred to as moonshine. The pair then talks about death. Tosti said, throw me off the balcony and that is it. This is it, boom. At 1.16 p.m., all the way through 1.20, we hear laughing and sounds of hitting. At 1.29 a.m., Tosti says, I don't like getting beaten up. A few minutes later, an argument starts as Wright is unable to find her phone and threatens to destroy Tosti's jaw. At 1.38 a.m., Tosti said, I should have never given you so much to drink. I thought we were going to have fun. It appears as though Wright wanted to leave, and Tosti was asking her to stay. He suggested that she was just a bit violent. He offered to cook her food, and it appeared as though the situation was calming down as they poured drinks at 1.53 a.m. I find it interesting that they appeared to avert the problem here, and yet they start drinking more. At about 2 a.m., a resident in the apartment below Tosti is awakened by noise. Ten minutes later, Tosti tells Wright to relax or he will kick her blank. A minute later, there are sounds of a struggle. It is believed that she was throwing these decorative rocks at him. He had them in the apartment. At 2.14 a.m., Tosti declares, that is enough. You have worn out your welcome. You have to leave. Wright responds by saying, okay, 
but a minute later things really start to go downhill as Tosti makes a controversial statement. He said, I thought you were kidding and I have taken enough. This is blank blank. You are lucky I haven't chucked you off my balcony, you blank blank psycho little blank. Later, Tosti would claim that this had no connection with what happens in a few moments. 2.16 a.m., Wright accuses Tosti of being sexist and tells him to lay off. 2.17 a.m., Tosti tells Wright that he is going to let her go. She is going to walk out of the apartment. If she tries to pull anything, he will knock her out. Wright says, I'm sorry. Tosti replies, I don't care. At this point, it appears as though Wright grabs some type of metal object. They struggled over it a bit. It drops to the ground, and sounds of choking can be heard. Later, the police would conclude that it was probably a mounting bracket for a telescope. At 2.20 a.m., Tosti comes up with this idea to push Wright onto the balcony and lock the door. She does not seem too happy about this. She would say the word no several times. As this is going on, Tosti accuses Wright of trying to kill him, and he explained to her that the conversation was being recorded. Wright says the word no 13 more times and says, just let me go home. She would say no over 30 times altogether. Tosti slams the door shut at 2.21 a.m. Wright says two more times, just let me go home. Then a scream can be heard. Wright would fall 14 stories to her death. 35 seconds later, Tosti calls his lawyer, but there is no answer. At 2.23 a.m., emergency services are called by a neighbor. Tosti leaves his apartment and wanders around the area. At 3.10 a.m., he orders a slice of pizza from a nearby restaurant. He can see the emergency vehicles around the apartment building. 30 minutes later, he calls his father and tells him how he might be in a bit of a situation. He explains how his date was aggressive, they had sex, and she kept drinking. She was beating him up. He forced her out on the balcony. She may have jumped off. He denied being responsible for her death. What really struck me here is the technical description of events. Nothing about feelings, nothing about the tragedy of a woman dying. The recording would end at 4.15 a.m. At 11.30 a.m., Tosti and his lawyer would go to the police station, where Tosti would refuse to be interviewed. Two days later, an autopsy of Wright is conducted. Due to the extensive damage to her body from the fall, they really can't tell if she was hurt prior to the fall. Tosti is charged with murder on August 15, 2014. He would eventually be acquitted of murder charges and of manslaughter. He wasn't convicted of anything in connection with this case. Now moving to the mental health and personality factors. What we know about Tosti's mental health comes from a mental health professional who assessed him as part of the criminal proceedings. The professional said a few things about Tosti. His personality problems were so severe that he was partially disabled. He was ill-equipped to deal with people socially. He may have had autism spectrum disorder, did not have empathy, and had severe obsessive-compulsive disorder. The professional went on to say that Tosti was an emotionally distant, emotionally estranged person with whom it was impossible to establish a clear rapport. Friends described Tosti as a loner, and his own social media posts suggest that he had problems with his confidence. 
he may have tried to compensate by initiating sexual encounters with many different women. The police would find that he had communicated with 250 women on Tinder in the last year and had sex with 180 women during the last four years. Several of the nightclubs in Gold Coast had banned Tosti for being creepy. I imagine the bar is set pretty high to get banned for being creepy from some nightclubs. Not all of them are known for a plethora of elegant, polished, and sensitive discussions between visitors. This is like being kicked out of a landfill for being malodorous. Tosti indicated that his problem with alcohol started when he was 17. He drank excessively and often for many years. He had a number of interactions with law enforcement prior to this incident. He was once charged with public nuisance and obstructing the police. The charges were dropped. He also had a DUI. He was arrested for leading a forgery scam. He and a few friends earned $30,000 selling fake IDs, and he would counterfeit money. He was not convicted, rather given a warning. Just two weeks before the death of Wright, he was driving home in his vehicle, and it did not have license plates. He was traveling 93 miles per hour. The police started chasing him, and he accelerated to over 120 miles per hour. The police placed spikes on the road, which blew out Tosti's tires, but he continued to drive on the rims until finally coming to a stop. He would serve six months in jail for that incident while facing the murder charges. Not much is known about Warina Wright. She was born in the Philippines and lived in New Zealand. She was described as quiet, shy, and insecure about her appearance. She had a long-term boyfriend who was a personal trainer. They broke up. Then she was dating another man, but they had a fight just before she flew to Australia for the friend's wedding. A friend thought that maybe Wright was using Tinder in Australia to get back at that man. Just another example of Tinder-enhanced expressions of interpersonal aggression. Wright had a number of scars on her that were consistent with self-harm. This was used to suggest an abnormal mental state. It's not clear if Wright had any type of alcohol use problem, but she did have a blood alcohol level of 0.156 at the time she died. One gets the impression that this may not have been her first time encountering alcohol. Now moving to my analysis of the trial. Was Gable Tosti guilty? The difficulty with the murder charge was that the prosecution was trying to say Tosti caused Wright's death by frightening her so much that she jumped off of the balcony. She was attempting to escape. The prosecution acknowledged that when she left the balcony, the door was closed and Tosti was on the other side. So he was in the apartment and Wright was on the balcony. The door was between them. So it gets a little bit difficult to make this case that she was trying to escape him. Even though there were choking sounds and he clearly restrained her, he would admit later on that he had restrained her, the autopsy did not reveal any marks on her neck. As far as the manslaughter charge, I'm surprised the jury didn't find him guilty of this. I think a good case could be made for manslaughter. They were both intoxicated. She became violent. He was trying to protect himself. Instead of moving her outside of the apartment, like out of the front door, or calling the police, he locked her out on the balcony. This was a place that was inherently dangerous, especially given her condition. One could also argue that based on how he denied her the ability to leave, he was committing some type of false imprisonment, although, of course, he was never charged with anything like that. 
Again, the jury found him not guilty of both charges, including the manslaughter. I tend to think that, in reality, he was guilty of that charge or perhaps something like reckless endangerment. As far as the weapon, this is such an unusual case. It's not like they could charge him for illegal possession of a balcony or carrying a concealed balcony during the commission of a felony. Really, none of the uncommon balcony weapon charges would apply in this case. His behavior afterward seems to indicate callousness, insensitivity, a lack of empathy. He seemed quite self-centered. He was immediately worried about what would happen to him. Even though a woman had just died, he went out and bought a slice of pizza. In an interview with 60 Minutes Australia, for which he was reportedly paid a quarter of a million dollars, he really couldn't give a straight answer as to why he didn't go out on the balcony and check on her. I was left with this impression from watching that interview that he thought, what was the point? She just fell 14 stories. Nothing could be done. His focus was really about self-preservation. This is also seen in the fact that he recorded the encounter as well. He didn't record it because she was out of control. He recorded it as a matter of policy. When asked about why he did this, again, he would not give a straight answer, except to say it was protection against something like what happened with Wright. What lessons can we learn from this case? I have three here. Alcohol is a key participant in so many bad situations. When combined with impulsive dating based on physical appearance, the result is sometimes tragic. Alcohol impairs the ability to think, which is particularly important when interacting with unknown individuals. Number two, it's important to recognize when situations are out of control and contact the authorities. He had multiple opportunities to see the date was not going as planned. Number three, maybe it's a bad idea to predict that you're going to kill your date while recording yourself, mostly because of the risk of being convicted of murder part. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mihaljevic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows.